In 2017, the New York Times ran an article on the power of babies crying. And in that article, they cited a number of scientific studies. One of them, and I'm not sure I approve of this study, but they still cited it. Uh, what they did is researchers took away the ability from baby mice to be able to vocalize their crying. And what they found was is that when there was no crying, uh, the parents ignored the baby mice and they died. In another study, uh, they projected through a speaker the sound of a baby fawn crying. And they noticed that does immediately would run to the speaker <laughs> to try to give comfort uh, when they heard crying. The more interesting thing I thought in that study <clears throat> was they also played sounds of other animal species, their babies crying, and the deer ran to the speaker just the same, <laughs> trying to bring comfort uh, in the midst of crying. In a third study, they found that the sound of a human baby crying activates the action-oriented part of a human being in a way that nothing else does, even when it's not your own baby. Now that baby you hear, <laughs> that's a recording. <laughs> we did that to sort of prove the point. It's because these things in nature, I think, are a reminder from God. If mice hear the crying of their babies, if deer are attentive to the cries of any kind of baby animal, if humans are uniquely attuned to the cry of a child, how much more does God hear our cries? How much more does God pay attention when we cry? This morning, I don't know why you may be sad. I don't know why you may be prone to crying. I don't know what's going on in your life this week or this month or this year that moves you to tears. But this morning, we want to look at a passage of scripture and see some different reasons why we might be crying and then hear how God responds to us in our tears. So if you would, would you take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 21? Genesis chapter 21. It's page 15 in the church Bibles. Let me say, we had to play a recording of a baby crying because I really wanted just a baby to be crying, but you can never guarantee if that's going to happen at the right time. So let me just say this as a side note. If you have a baby in this service and that baby starts crying, that is fantastic. Thank you for bringing your child here. And the idea that you are willing to bring a child uh, to God's sanctuary, to experience God's presence, even before they're able to articulate anything, that is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And so if there are real babies that cry during this sermon, praise the Lord and thank God for that. Genesis 21, we've been going through a series in the book of Genesis, and we've been following, especially over the last several months, the narrative of the story with Abraham. Starting in Genesis 12, we hear that God calls Abraham and wants to bless him and use him to bless the whole world. 
Well, when we get to Genesis 21, we have what we would consider a high point in the narrative. This baby Isaac that we have been waiting for, this promised miraculous child arrives. This 100-year-old man and this 90-year-old woman give birth to a miracle baby. In fact, not since the birth of Cain in Genesis 4 has God said to be so involved in the birth of a child. And in Genesis 21, this long-awaited baby, the one through whom the promises to Abraham are going to be fulfilled, is born. And the first part of Genesis 21 is the story of the birth of Isaac. The last part of Genesis 21 is also very important for Abraham's story. It's about how God is not only fulfilling his promise to give Abraham descendants, that's the first part of Genesis 21, it's also about God giving Abraham the land. And in the second part, of the, the last part of Genesis 21, we begin to see how God is fulfilling his promises to Abraham with regards to the land. But as wonderful as the first section of Genesis 21 is, and as wonderful and important as the last section of Genesis 21, when you hear a baby crying, your attention is drawn to that. And our focus this morning is not on the birth of Isaac or God fulfilling his promises, thanks be to God, to Abraham with the land. It's on this middle section in verses 8 to 21 where we get to hear the cries of those who are in pain and those who are in suffering. And my sense from the Lord is that's where our focus is supposed to be today. So would you listen as I read Genesis 21, starting in verse 8. The child, that's Isaac, the miracle baby, grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son, this is Ishmael, the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to what Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He sent them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. 
Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now in our passage, we've got two people crying. Ishmael is crying, and his mom Hagar is crying. Now like we said at the beginning, the sounds of cries are powerful. They arrest our attention. But one of the problems with crying, especially crying babies, is that you don't know why the baby is crying. Is it hungry? Is it tired? Is it in pain? And actually the problem with, well, why is someone crying doesn't just extend to babies. Older children and even adults, sometimes we find ourselves asking someone or being asked by someone, why are you crying? Because crying itself can be a mystery. What is it that is moving us to tears? What is it that is causing us so much pain and difficulty? So let's ask this question of Hagar. Why is Hagar crying? Well, let's think about her situation. Hagar is living in Canaan, but she's not a Canaanite. She's Egyptian, which means she's not among her people. She has no biological relatives around her. She is a slave living in Abraham's household. She's been living with them for some time, but she has no extended family or relatives around her. Worse than that, she's in an unwinnable situation. At some point earlier, her mistress, Sarah, orders her to sleep with Abraham, her husband, Sarah's husband, so that Hagar might get pregnant, which she does, and gives birth to Ishmael. Now the problem is, is that Sarah becomes jealous that Hagar was able to get, give birth to Ishmael. Now Hagar didn't do herself any favors. She began to despise Sarah in her heart. <clears throat> but nonetheless, she tries to, when Hagar tries to run away, God sends her back and says, no, you gotta submit to Sarah. And Hagar does. But now, here in this situation, think about what it must have felt like. In one day's time, one day, there's the day that Isaac is weaned and Abraham throws a party. Ishmael makes fun of Isaac on that day. And Sarah says she's got to go. And the next morning, she's a single mom. sent out into the middle of the wilderness. She's got no preparation for this. She's never been a single mom before. She doesn't know what to do. And where she goes, she's in the wilderness. The wilderness is a terrible place if you're with a caravan of people. But here she is, a brand new, brand newly single mom, responsible for taking care of a boy. And the wilderness is too big and too vast and she doesn't know how to navigate it. Can you imagine what it would have felt like to seat your child under a bush and then to go some distance away because you couldn't bear to watch them die? I think Hagar is sobbing because of powerlessness. 
She feels hopeless. There's nothing she can do. She's not been trained for this. She's not prepared for this. She's all of a sudden, one day she's part of a big group of people and the next day she is a single mom trying to make it on her own. And she is in a wilderness that is just too big and too strong. And so she is sobbing because she feels powerless. What about Ishmael? He's crying too. He's not crying because he's a baby and he's thirsty. He's not a baby. We think he's probably a teenager at this point. I think Ishmael is crying out of regret. You see, he's the reason they got sent away. And I think he knows better than what he did. See, back when he was very small, Hagar tried to run away because Sarah was persecuting her. And God told Hagar, no, you got to go back. And we believe Hagar did go back. And we believe that Hagar was submissive to Sarah. And we have to think she trained Ishmael from a young age. Hey, look, you better treat that lady right and you better treat her child right. This is what we were commanded by God to do. And I think Ishmael knows full well Isaac is off limits. But he's a teenage boy. And teenage boys don't always do what they're told to do. And so he makes fun of Isaac. It's not right, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. I mean, here he is picking on this little, his half-brother. And he's mocking him and making fun of him. I think Ishmael knows what he's doing is wrong. But immediately, they're sent away. And I think Ishmael is crying the tears of regret. It's his fault that he's going to die in the wilderness. And it's not just him that's going to die, it's his mom that's going to die as well. I actually think that Hagar and Ishmael are probably also crying for another reason. Not just powerlessness and regret. I think they're crying the tears of rejection. Isaac is a miracle baby. There's nothing Ishmael will ever do that will cause him to live up to miracle baby. I have to imagine that everybody wants to talk about Isaac. I got to imagine that a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman giving birth to a baby, this is the conversation, the fulfillment of God right here as a child. I'm guessing that that Ishmael is making fun of Isaac out of jealousy. He didn't ask to be born into a family with a miracle baby. And Abraham is his dad. He doesn't have another one. Can you imagine the feeling when your dad sends you and your mom away? You cannot live here anymore. Go somewhere else. I got to think that's incredibly painful rejection. I think for Hagar too. 
They're not her biological family, but she's lived with them for years. She's worked and served faithfully. She's even done things that nobody should ever be asked to do. And now in a moment's time, she's just simply sent away. I think these are the tears of rejection as well. There's one more person that I think is crying in this story. It doesn't explicitly say it, but it does say that Abraham is distressed. It's the word for being in misery. And it's another reason why we might be crying. I think Abraham is crying because of loss. This is his son. He loves Ishmael. But as best we can tell, this is the last time he ever sees Ishmael again. Until one little note all the way at the end of his life. After Abraham dies, do you know who buries him? Isaac and Ishmael which tells you the kind of impact Abraham must have had on this boy for his first 13, 14, 15, 16 years of life. Abraham's not an absentee father. He's not an abusive father. He loves this child. And then he's got to send him away. And I hear in Abraham's distress, the tears of loss, And so the question for you and the question for me, why are you crying today? Is it a feeling of powerlessness? Are you just overwhelmed at how hard life is? Are things in this world just too difficult? Is there a sense that student debt is just absolutely crushing you? Or the financial situation as inflation ramps up, you can't find a way to make it work? Is there a sense in which the wilderness just feels too big or the world too full of evil? That when you turn on the news, when you read what's going on, you feel this sense of hopelessness? Are you crying today because you desperately want to make something happen and you simply don't have the power to do it? Or maybe you're crying this morning out of regret. Maybe your life's a mess and you're partly to blame. Maybe you've made choices and are now reaping the consequences for those choices, consequences you thought were never gonna show up, that were always gonna be in the future. And maybe now suddenly you're experiencing regret. And your tears before you got here this morning or earlier this week how in the world did I ever do this? Why did I make those choices? Or maybe you have the tears of rejection today. Maybe somebody who's supposed to love you has chosen not to. Maybe somebody who vowed to love you is no longer doing that. Maybe somebody you love has chosen to love somebody else instead. Or maybe you're crying the tears of loss. 
there's somebody that you desperately love that's no longer part of your life. There's someone that you would love to talk to again, but you can't this side of heaven. There's somebody that you sent off to college or moved to another city or some season of life in which you no longer have what you used to have and you feel the tears of loss. There's lots of reasons why we might cry. But this morning in our tears, whatever the reason may be, I want to share with you some thoughts of how does God respond when we're honest enough to shed tears in his presence. Three thoughts from this passage. The first is in verse 17. God heard, and then who does he hear crying? The boy. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard who crying? The boy crying as he lies there. In the British monarchy, they have a sort of a statement or a saying that is half joking, but also super mean. When there are two people who are born who are in line for the crown, they will refer to them as the heir and the spare. It's half joking, but it's super mean. What it's essentially saying is, look, we only need one person to inherit the crown. We've got two. We've got one, and then we've got a spare. I want to let you know God does not feel that way about Ishmael. It's very easy to read the story of Genesis and think that it's just sort of a story. And God's going to bless the whole world, and so he picks Abraham, and Abraham needs a child, and it turns out, no, it's not really Lot. It's not Eleazar of Damascus. It's not Ishmael. It's Isaac. Okay, Isaac's born. Let's get on with the story. That is not how God feels about Ishmael. How does God respond to Ishmael's tears? It's the boy he hears crying. He loves him. This is not a narrative. He's not some sort of side character that goes out of focus. He's not some sort of extra in the movie that we kill off and we get on with whatever the superhero's going to do. This person is important to God. And so are you. If Satan has in any way given you the sense that you don't matter, that the story would be better off without you, that if you just went off in the wilderness and were never heard from again, that everyone would be happier, please, please, please hear that that is a lie from Satan. God does not feel that way about you. He loves Ishmael as much as he loves Isaac, as much as he loves Abraham, as much as he loves anyone, and God loves you that much. His ears are attentive to your cries. He sees your tears. And one of the reasons God lets us cry is so that we might know this truth for real. You are not an auxiliary character. You are not a secondary person in some big scheme that God is doing. 
that God in heaven sees you and he knows you and he loves you and you matter to him. The second way God responds to our tears. Verse 19. Then God opened whose eyes? Her eyes, Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. How does God respond to our tears? He provides. Now what I think is really powerful about what happens here, who's the person who's dying of thirst? Ishmael. Who does God give the water to? Hagar. Because there's two people crying and they have two very different needs. Ishmael needs water. Hagar needs help being a mom. And so God gives the water to Hagar so she can give it to Ishmael. God provides for Ishmael because he's going to die without the water and God knows it and he loves him so he gives him water to drink. But Hagar is crying in her powerlessness. She's a mom. It's her job to take care of her son and she cannot do it. And in her tears of futility, God gives her the resources so she can give them to him. What a kind God. What a great God. He's not just here making problems go away. He's providing love and care for everybody who's in need. Even Abraham. How does God meet Abraham's needs? Abraham desperately wants to see Ishmael and Hagar taken care of. And he can't. Whether because of age or resources or circumstances in life, he can't be the one to take care of them anymore. And so God does. I love the fact that the, the, the story ends in verse 21. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Do you understand the amazing nature of that verse? This is not something women did at this time. This was the dad's job. She goes all the way to Egypt and she finds a wife for her son. I can only imagine the conversation she's having with the prospective in-laws. Yes, I will be taking your daughter back to the wilderness to marry my son living in the wilderness. I think what a remarkable single mom. And I think what a kind God. Abraham wasn't there to do it. Hagar in her own power couldn't have made it happen. But God saw her tears and provided not just the water, but enabled her to be a fantastic mom for her son. The third and final way that God responds to our tears, verse 20. God was with the boy as he grew up. God was with the boy. This is actually the first time in the Bible that God is ever said to be with someone. Now, God being with us 
is a super big and important theme in the Bible. In fact, I would argue it's the most important theme in the Bible. All of the Bible is headed toward Revelation 21, which says this. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell, what? With them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And what happens when God is with us? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. This is where all of history is headed, towards us finally being with God. And when we are with God, then God himself will wipe the tears from our eyes. Now you may think, great, sometime in the distant future, the tears will be gone. But what about today? What about the sadness that I feel right now? What about the sorrow and the loss and the longing that I'm experiencing here? Well, when I say that God with us is the big theme of the Bible, it's because it comes to fulfillment in the person of Jesus, who is named Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. And while we are looking forward to Revelation 21, I think God did something really, really cool. Is that God revealed something to us when he came to be with us. And he made sure we would remember it because he put it in the shortest verse in the English Bible. Jesus wept. Now, there weren't any verses when John originally wrote that, but I think the Lord made sure that when we put verses in the Bible, that this one ended up being the shortest. So that whenever there's a trivia question or ever there's a remembrance, we would remember this thing because God wants us to know that Jesus came to be with us so that he could cry with us. And even though this is the story of Lazarus dying, even though Jesus knows the future is good, he know, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he knows how the story turns out, he still cries. Why? Because he's crying with us. Because he feels our pain. He knows our suffering. He knows our sorrow. Revelation 21 is pure joy. But there are still tears now. And the kindest, most loving thing that God does for us in our tears now is he comes to be with us. That he cries alongside of us. And that God may bring to you a friend this week to cry with you. That God might bring a stranger who doesn't even know your situation to express something to you that you can empathize with and you can relate to. That God might make sure to have a loved one 
come to walk alongside with you in whatever you're going through. Or Jesus himself might meet you in that dark and lonely place when all you can do is cry and he'll be with you to cry with you and to love you and to tell you you will never be alone. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna spend some time crying. You may be all cried out from the week, that's fine. You can cry silently inside. You may not have something immediately on your mind that you feel like crying about. You can cry for others around you. You can pray for others around you. But we wanna just give you a little bit of space. Think about what is it? Is it powerlessness? Are you feeling hopeless? Is there a sense of medical stuff that you just cannot conquer? Are there situations in life that are too much for you? Is it regret? Is there something you desperately wish you could undo? Is it rejection? Are you feeling cast out, alone, betrayed? Is it loss? God will see your tears. And so we want to give you a chance to simply cry them. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.